Welcome to the Cowie Baptist Church podcast. To learn more about Cowie, including in our gathering times, visit us online at cowie.church. Enjoy the message. Hey, man, good morning, church. You know, Jesus ended the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew uh, chapter 7 uh, with these words, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. You know, so grateful uh, just to gather this morning as uh, the church. We don't come uh, to church, but we gather as the church, and happy, day, happy Labor Day uh, weekend to you all. Just so blessed by uh, seeing some old friends this morning that haven't been uh, with us for a while at vacation here and many uh, faces that uh, maybe we haven't seen in a bit with, with some times like that. And so we're grateful uh, just to have you with us. We're grateful for those that are watching and connecting uh, online. Uh, I do want to invite you to follow along uh, this morning in our church app. Uh, if you have the Cowie app, you'll find some sermon notes there, some fill-in-the-blank uh, options that you can use uh, along the way. Uh, You'll also uh, find places that you can give and just ways that you can connect uh, in small groups and other ways throughout the church. Uh, We're uh, excited this morning kicking off a new sermon series and uh, the title of that is Worship in the Rest of the Week. Now, my heart has been stirred over this last season uh, in regards to worship, and we hear that word and we think about that word. Many times we we think about what we do on a Sunday morning as the gathered church, and and toward the end of this series, we're going to really lean into that and what it looks like to gather as the church and what uh, what worship looks like in that setting. But before we get there, I want to talk about not what it looks like when we gather as the church, but when we scatter as the church and we engage on mission for the glory of his name. So we're going to talk uh, about this, this thought of worship in our work. Now, before we dig into this series, we're going to use kind of a working definition that uh, I've, I've been wrestling with over the last few days. And uh, we're going to put that on the screen. And I want to just give you a, a definition of worship uh, this morning. And And this will kind of carry with us over these next few weeks, but uh, you can follow along with me. It says, biblical worship is when a spirit-filled believer glorifies the one true God by offering themselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to him, walking daily in obedience with sincerity of heart, humility, praise, and adoration. You know, when we think about this call that we have Uh, And this command that we have and this privilege that we have in response to the mercies of God to worship him in in spirit and in truth. Today, we want to lean into a place that that fills a significant portion of our time. Something that is uh, relevant this Labor Day weekend, we're going to talk about worship and work. Now, we've gotten it wrong in our culture so many times. I've, I've heard people say it this way, that Americans work at our play Play at our worship and worship our work. You know, that can happen so easily and so many times. If you are not aware, we spend uh, more than a third of our waking hours at work. We uh, go to work. We engage in uh, different kind of jobs all around. And, and a recent Gallup survey said that 85% of people are actively disengaged 
in their work. So they're at work and they're coming to work. But when they're there, maybe their heart is, you know, I'm just waiting on quitting time. I'm, I can't wait for this day to be over. We may have uh, those kind of attitudes just going through the motions. There's uh, some new research that came out that shared that about 57% of people uh, that quit their jobs recently, and there's this kind of mass uh, exodus at times from people quitting their jobs over these last few years. And most of the time, there there was a common thread that 57% of unhappy employees leave their jobs because of their bosses. Now, I just want to say that I've had some really great bosses uh, in my work history, and I loved uh, working with them. Some people that invested in my life in a greater way than just uh, just kind of wanting to accomplish something through me. Uh, you know, I, I see Brett Holcomb in the, in the back. I see Brett, and, and his dad uh, was a boss of mine for years. And, and he was someone that, uh, that cared about his employees. He was someone that, uh, you know, I, I drove like a brand new Mustang he had to the prom. Uh, I, I was working at Lowe's. I worked for Lowe, at Lowe's for uh, 21 years. Uh, I met my wife. That's the best thing that ever happened at Lowe's right there. And... And, uh, you know, I had this uh, uh, just opportunity to, to take his car. I drove his car and took her uh, to her senior prom. He made my wedding cake. He has uh, been just a continued blessing. Last year, uh, was was going to uh, uh, take uh, my son uh, to the secret hunting spot that he had, right? There was this beautiful thing that took place by just being connected to him. And during my time at Lowe's, I, I was everything pretty much from janitor to manager, right? It was a a place where I learned a whole lot of things, some things about what to do and what not to do. Uh, I can remember when I had first started working there, uh, maybe a, a year in or so, I don't know, I was probably about 17 years old, and I can remember uh, some people started coming from the back shed. That was the place in the warehouse. We had a big insulation hole, and they would come out. I was a loader out in the garden center, and I'd load some bag goods and kind of hang out, and they, uh, they came out and began to invite me to some wrestling matches in the back shed. And... Uh, I was thinking, this could be fun, but I probably need my job. You know, this is probably not the best idea, you know. And so I'm kind of feeling some of that out. And then one day, uh, one of the bosses came out there. And he comes out and kind of cruises by. Jim Barrett was his name. And Jim uh, comes by and Jim says, uh, hey, are you scared of the wrestling matches in the back shed? And I said, like, like trail off, like we're raising men. I'm like, no, I ain't scared of the wrestling matches in the back shed. And now that a manager's inviting me to this, I'm thinking this is probably okay. So, so we would go uh, to the back shed, right? And we would have these wrestling matches every now and then. And of course, we were always on break. Some of you know uh, Rodney Cook. Rodney Cook and I were the road warriors, right? Fact is, we still are the road warriors. And we're looking like they have these alumni games. Like maybe one day they'll invite us back into that, right? And we can come and just have some fun, right? But, but here's the thing. I understand that, was, that wasn't necessarily the, the best thing, but we learn a lot of different things in our work. And when I was about 18, uh, I was given my first opportunity uh, in a, a type of management job. And what I realized later is that while maybe I had some mental skill to do some of that, that I was really uh, immature in, in understanding really what that looked like and what it looked like to, to demonstrate what I'd seen uh, in my boss to really just engage and love people and, and to see those kind of things. And uh, th- there's somebody in here that would probably say amen, right, if they wanted to. And it, cause, 
because they actually worked for me during uh, some of that season of my life. And, and over time, the Lord really began to give me a different look of what it meant uh, to work, right? And, uh, you know, I, I, I got this first management job. I guess you could say I wrestled my way to the top. And, uh, but I wasn't the, the boss that I should have been. And, you know, I, I think about those people that said, you know, that, that so many people leave work because of bad bosses, right? And I want to ask you to raise your hand if you have a good boss or a bad boss. It might be in the room, right? Some of yours I know are, are in the room, right? As I see some of our church staff and we, we kind of laugh about some of those things. Or, or, but, you know, when, when I came to Christ in 2002, the Lord really shifted and changed my perspective. And surely I didn't get it right. But all of a sudden, I began to care about people instead of just what they could do. And, you know, you're trying to climb these ladders and you're trying to go these different places. And, and, and you realize that so many times work is really all about you. And what I realized is that work was a platform where we could reflect the image of God, where we could love people, where we could demonstrate that love, where we could care about people rather than just their performance or what they could do to further uh, our agenda. And, and as those things shifted, the Lord stirred my heart to, uh, to kind of step back from some of the things that I was doing so that I could be in church. I, I took a pay cut and, and went into a uh, a job where I could be off on the weekend and where I could spend time uh, with my family. And, you know, I figured out in some of those seasons that my identity, at one time I thought my identity was in my work, right? I thought that that was really who I was. And what I realized is that my identity was not in my work, but that my identity was in Jesus Christ. And I began to have an opportunity there where we could share the gospel, where I could hand uh, CDs to truck drivers that would come through the office, where we had uh, an opportunity uh, to engage in the mission of Christ, right? And sometimes we're thinking about what does it look like in our job? Like it wasn't like I all of a sudden was working there. And now when people came in to buy a toilet, I was like, hey, uh, uh, now that I've sold you this toilet, let me help you understand how you can not flush your life away, right? Or, or welcome to receiving. Have you received Jesus Christ, right? It wasn't how it looked, right? But, but through relationships and we would, you know, pray for open doors last week. We talked about our kids going back to school and we said we're to devote ourselves to prayer, Colossians 4. And, and in this devotion to prayer that we might pray for an open door uh, for the word of God uh, to go forth. And so got to really see just some beautiful things there. But, but what if, what if all of our work uh, what if our perspective right on work could change? What if all of our work was an act of worship? What if we viewed the nine to five as a place where we could glorify God, a place where we were on mission for the glory of his name? And we're going to pick back up in Colossians, and my hope is that the Word of God would, would allow us to see things differently, that, that the Spirit of God might take the Word of God and, and that He might transform the people of God and, and cause us to live differently as we scatter, as we go out from this place. And so we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 3, we're going to begin, uh, we're, we're really going to focus in on verse 22 uh, through chapter 4, verse 1. But we're going we're gonna to rewind all the way back to verse 17 and just look at this in context this morning. So I want to invite you uh, to stand, if you are able, in honor of the reading of God's Word. And we will read this together. The verses will also be <clears throat> on the screen. But beginning in verse 17, we read this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. 
Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Will you pray with me? Father, we are thankful for your word. And God, we pray that whatever we do, God, whether we are a student, whether we're a child, whether we are in the workplace or whether we are retired, God, that in everything we do, God, that we might do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that we might do it dependent on you, Lord. We know that the things that we are going to lean into today, God, are impossible apart from the work of your spirit in our lives. And so, God, we pray if there's someone here that doesn't know you, God, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, we pray and thank you for uh, two that took their, their next step of obedience this morning in our early service and being baptized as believers, God. And we pray, uh, Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you, God, if there's anyone here uh, that's not taken that step, Lord, that they, would, uh, that they would commit to doing that today, Lord, in response, uh, to, God, to your mercy and your grace, God, and in obedience to your command, Lord, we pray, uh, God, that you would change us from the inside out and use us for your glory as we leave this place today. In Jesus' name, uh, amen. You may be seated uh, this morning. You know, verse 17 uh, says that we're to do everything, uh, everything that we do in the name of Jesus, even school, for some of you that are getting back in that groove, even uh, the workplace, uh, all those things that we're to do, all those things. Now, work's been part of life from the beginning. There's this, been mi- this mis- misconception that many times when we hear people talk about work, we think that work was part of the fall, right? That, the, that all of a sudden, like Adam and Eve, they just had it made. There was, they didn't have to do anything. They just sat back uh, and relaxed, right? And, and then uh, the fall happened and now there's work. But that's not what the Bible says, right? Work has been around from the beginning. What we read in Genesis 2.15 is that work was around before the fall. Verse 15 says this, Then the Lord God took the man and put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate and to keep it. Uh, one pastor said about this passage that it wasn't simply that Adam uh, and Eve were to hang out in the garden and stay away from a few bad apples, right? That wasn't the only way that they worshipped, that they were to cultivate and to keep. We read in, in the scriptures that God created uh, all that, that, that is created, and, and it was good. And he created man, and he placed him in that garden to continue to cultivate and keep it. Right? We have a, a working God, and we have a God that has given us work in a way that we would cultivate and develop. He would give them this task of being fruitful and multiplying and seeing this godly legacy continue. And in that, they would work, and they would glorify God by the things that they would do. And what we understand is that after the fall, the thorns came. After the fall, all of a sudden, 
sudden, it became burdensome, right? And, and instead of our identity being in fellowship with God, our identity became in other things. We began to find our identity in who we were in a workplace or the things that we did. I, I know many of you, when we are introduced to someone, many times what they say is, I am a banker. I am this. Like one of the perks of, uh, of being a pastor, a lot of times we'll be talking with somebody and they'll say, hey, by the way, you know, meet somebody new. And they'll say, hey, by the way, what do you do? And it's usually right after they cuss. And, and then I say, hey, actually, I'm a pastor. And they're like, oh, sorry about that. I'm like, it's kind of a fun moment for me. I always enjoy uh, doing that, right? But I've heard people that don't have jobs and maybe they're looking for a job and they're saying, you know, I just can't find anything that I can find satisfaction in. And, and I want you to understand that, that we, we want to find and, and be in a place that God has for us, but we're never going to find a, a place of work that can satisfy us. The, the world that's filled with thorns, the world that we live in now is not like that. No matter how great of a job that we have, there's going to be thorns. There's going to be difficulties because the world that we live in is a broken world, right? And, and maybe you're young here. Maybe you're, uh, you're a teenager or maybe you're a, a young person and you don't have a job yet. And you're like, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about work. This probably isn't going to apply to me today. I want you to understand that no matter what situation that you were in, no matter what circumstances that you were in, whether it's school, whether it's your ball teams, whether it's your, your home, in, in the weeks ahead, we're going to see how that functions in a way of worship. But when we, when we look at all of these places, right, what we're going to understand is that no matter what our circumstances, good or bad, that everything we we do can be worship to our great God. And you say, well, I don't know uh, about that. Well, well, the passage that we're going to lean into today was written to slaves and their masters. And so what we're going to see as we lean in is that their circumstances were not ideal. For those that might say my pay is not enough, I can promise you theirs was not enough. But we're going to see that we can glorify God in all that we do. Now, this uh, this passage is not a passage that's condoning slavery. Uh, this is a, a, a passage that, that we understand in, in those moments that this was very complicated and, and very different. Like we read this and the first thing we're thinking is like, why did Paul not say, hey, uh, you need to revolt and get out from under this slavery. And if you're a slave owner, you need to release them. And, and, and there's this, this wondering of like, why is that not there? Here's a quote by a New Testament scholar, Richard Millick. And he says this, he says, when we read this, the first thing we might wonder is why didn't Paul write to undermine the issue of slavery? On one hand, to do so would have caused significantly difficult moments in the first century setting and undue persecution would result. Besides, Christians could do little by force. On the other hand, the teaching of the apostle here and elsewhere clearly sowed the seed for the emancipation of slaves and the end of the institution. Paul did what he could in the best way possible. And so this wasn't a passage condoning any of those things, but, but what we understand is that in the midst of these circumstances, Paul is going to encourage these slaves to live in a way that honors Christ and, to, and for their owners and for their masters. And maybe for us, we could relate to those of us that are employees, those of us that are bosses. And he's going to give us this call to live our lives in a way that glorifies God, to, to work in a way that is, that is worship. And we're going to see those things. Right, No matter what our circumstances are, God calls us to work with an attitude that honors Christ as Lord. Look at verse 22. He says, slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing 
the Lord. Now, now, sometimes we get disgruntled. We look around at other people in our work, and maybe they're not carrying their load. Maybe they're not doing their job, and it's affecting yours. Maybe, maybe you're in a place where, uh, where people have bad attitudes, and the customers are rude. Like if you're, uh, if you're in the retail industry, or you've ever been in the retail industry, you understand that there's some people that you're going to encounter that are just rude. Don't let it be, by the way, any of us when we go to lunch after church. Like, you know, don't be those kind of people. We need to be light in the midst. We need to be those that bless, right? Those that encourage. I always tell people anytime I get a good opportunity, like if you don't have enough money to leave a good tip, you don't have enough money to go out to eat. Uh, and, and it's really just this reality, right? Because we represent Jesus Christ and we're to wear his name. We're to do everything that we do in a way that glorifies our great uh, God, right? And so he says, listen, we're not to do this with external service just to please people, but with sincerity of heart. So, so we're going to work with an attitude that honors Christ as Lord. The second thing, we're going to work with excellence that honors Christ as Lord. Now, some of us think, you know, regardless, you know, like this thought of I don't get paid enough. Here's what I want you to understand. When work is worship, it's not about the worth that is placed on us by our salary, but it is the worth of our Lord and Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And we are working in a way that declares his worth to all of those who are around us. See, worship is never about us. That's the first thing we've got to understand when we study this thought of worship. It is never about us. And we would understand that the most important thing about our worship is that it's pleasing to God. Right When we gather and, and in any moment, right, our worship must be pleasing to him. In, in, the, in, the, in the beginning, right, we, see, uh, we see Adam and Eve in the garden. We talked a little bit about their, their worship, and we understand there was, there was things that were going there. But the very first recorded act of worship in the Scriptures is Cain and Abel. And, and we don't have time to lean into that story, but what we understand from that story is that one of them brought an offering to God, and it pleased God, and it was pleasing to him, and one did not. And so it's very important that when we worship, that our worship be pleasing to God. It's not about us, and regardless of the worth that is placed on us by our pay, right, we are, are worshiping through our work because the one, like, like I've got good news, right, no matter what your earthly boss is like, I want to remind every one of you, and I, I want you just to know that we all have gr a great boss this morning. Like, like we have an incredible boss, and, and his name is Jesus, right? And it is Christ the Lord that we honor. Look at verse 23. It says, whatever you do, whatever you do, no matter what your job is, no matter whether you're in school or whatever those things are, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men, right? We work with excellence that honors Christ. Here, here's the reality. Followers of Jesus Christ should be the best employees that ever work for anyone in our town. There should be a difference in us and the world. The people that come out of this church, like one, one uh, Friday before school was starting back, we hosted uh, the Iola Valley Elementary School teachers. And, and uh, a couple of years ago when we did that, one of the teachers came up to me and wanted to talk to me. And she gave me one of the the, the, the greatest compliments that she could have ever given. And she said, hey, Pastor, she said, I just want to tell you something. I want you to know something. She said, the, the kids that come from your church that go to our school, she said, we can tell because they're different. They're respectful. And, and she began to just go on about those, those things. And, and my heart was just so full, uh, just knowing that, that, that it was demonstrably different in the way that they lived our lives. And we should be the best employees in our town. We should be the best athletes on the team. I'm not saying the fastest athletes. I'm not saying because 
pleasing the Lord is, is using our gifts, whatever they are, to the best of our ability for the glory of his name. And I thank God for people who God has given gifts that are used in the, in the corporate world and in the, in the community that we live in. That then they come and they use those gifts in a way that glorify him here at church. And by the way, uh, can I just say I'm so grateful that we don't have to beg people uh, to volunteer uh, to serve at Cowie. I'm so glad that, that it's not this, this begging thing. But I want to just let you in on a secret. It's not simply just this thing about you have this call to maybe volunteer. No, you, you have a responsibility, according to the scripture, to use the gifts and the talents and the things that God has given you when you gather in this place and when you go out into this world for the glory of his name, to lift high his name and to use those gifts for the good of the body. And I thank God for a people that do that. I thank God for the gifts that God has given us, right? Because the good news is we've all got a great boss. His name is Jesus Christ. And can I just let you know something too? Like if you don't feel like you get paid enough, these, slave, uh, these slaves that, that were hearing this, they didn't either. But I want you to understand something. When work is worship your retirement plans out of this world, right? And, and look at this right here, verse 24. Scripture says, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of an inheritance. It is the Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong, he's going to remind you like, hey, listen, you ain't got to right all the wrongs that are out there. You've not, you, you know, these slaves that were serving maybe an, a, a master that was not treating them well. And they're like, God, where's the justice in all this? Where's, wh wh what's going to happen in all this? And here's this this thought, right? Could it be that God desired that they might live their lives in such a way uh, that, that the, these slave owners would see their love for Christ in the way they serve them even? Like the scripture would say that when we uh, are, are reviled, right, and don't revile others in return, when we are good to those that despitefully use us, that we are different from this world. And could it be that those slaves, that they were to live their life in such a way that the way that they honored and the way that they responded, even to mistreatment, would be a light for those that would be around them, would be a light for their boss or their slave owner, for their master, and that it might even cause them to see that Jesus is real and come to faith in him. And apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, there is no hope for any of us to be who God would desire us to be and, and to worship him. We can't worship God apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is only through through Christ and that we can approach the very throne of heaven. It is only because of what Christ has done. So he says, for he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done and that without partiality. So, so we work with excellence, right? But we also work with integrity that honors Christ as Lord. Look at verse 1 of chapter 4. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And so a word to business owners and those who are our bosses and those who are in charge. Remember, all of us, we have a righteous judge who is fair and without partiality. And we are to be just and fair with our employees. We are, are to be uh, light in the midst of that. And, and we all have a master. We are not in charge, right? The, the, the culture would say that, that we function in this way. You'll see a pyramid on the screen, right, that says, hey, the boss is on the top. And then you've got those people that are under you, and everybody works for them, right? If you're in charge, then everybody works for them, and their job is to serve you and do whatever you do to fuel your advancement and your kingdom and all the things that are there and to grow all those things. But Jesus would introduce us to a different way of living. Jesus would introduce us to an upside-down kingdom 
kingdom where if you have been elevated to this place and you've been given this honor and privilege of being the boss and being in charge, what it means is that you have more people that now you have an opportunity to serve in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus would say the greatest among you, he will be your servant. You have more people to wash feet and more people to bless and more people to do what my boss did where he said, hey, I want you to take this car. And I said, you know how fast I drive? No, I didn't say that. I said, I'll take great care of it, sir. And but, but here's the thing, right, that to bless and to honor and to work. Yes, we have to lead and we have things to accomplish, but we do it in a way that says, I am a leader and I have all of these people to serve because everything that we do is for his glory. Right? I, I, everything, whatever we do, we do it for the glory of God. And God has made us on purpose for a purpose. And our identity is not in our work. Our identity is in Jesus Christ. You are uniquely gifted. He has placed you in, in circles of influence with people on purpose for a purpose so that you can let your light shine. The scripture would say that we let our light shine before men. Right, so that they might see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven. The greatest reward, right, when we think about this is not in the wages, but it is in the worship. And there is no divide. We don't walk out these doors and go from the sacred to the secular. We, the, 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 we are, the scripture would say that, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that God is dwelling with us. And where we go, there are pockets of the kingdom of God. And we go out into this world and the world should be impacted by all of us that go out as the church into many places around this world. We, we've been talking recently about a, a shift in the way that we measure uh, what, what successful uh, discipleship or what it looks like uh, to, to follow Jesus. And many times uh, we've had this measure that activity equals transformation. And somehow we felt like if we show up on a Sunday morning and we check that box and somehow we've connected in a small group somewhere and check that box and maybe we found a place to volunteer uh, and serve at church that we are completing everything that is required of us. And the American church has made uh, Christianity look like that so much. But what we understand is that is not what Jesus has called us to. He's called us to a life of transformation. He's called us to a life uh, where we're only possible in Jesus Christ, that out of an overflow of relationship and time with the Father, uh, that our life is being transformed and we're being conformed into the image of God. Now, we've uh, introduced kind of a new scorecard that we're encouraging you uh, to look at and just to, uh, just to say, hey, where am, I, where am I at in this discipleship path? How am I walking with Christ? And we, we painted this picture of this uh, dream disciple, and you'll see uh, that picture of this daily abiding, regularly sharing, intentionally discipling force for good in our community. We, we, we said, hey, are you daily abiding? We had some questions, right, to, to look at. And so when we think about our work, I just want to look at this scorecard. You'll see some of those around. You'll see these listed in the app. But, but when you think about your work, what scripture is currently shaping you? What has your time, your attention, and your thoughts? What is it that, that's shaping you? What about regularly sharing? What about in your workplace? When have you, when was the last time you shared your faith or a word from the word? Are you prepared to share your testimony at any moment? Could you testify of, of God's saving grace in your life? What about when it comes to intentionally discipling? Who in your work are you helping take one step closer 
in their relationship with Jesus? What discipling relationships are you currently investing in? Force for good, how are you living out your God-given calling at home, at work, in your hobbies? Are we leaving a legacy that matters or is it all about us? I want to give you just five ways um, that you can honor Christ wherever you are. Uh, I believe you can apply these immediately and they will, it will change some of our, our workplace and the people that are around us. Number one, we can let our faith be known. We can make our faith be known. Right? We, we should not be chameleon and, and like secret service Christians. We are followers of Jesus Christ, and the Scripture would call us not to be ashamed. Uh, Paul would say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God until salvation, first to the Greek and then to the Jew, for everyone, right? Or first to the Jew and then to the Greek, right? For everyone. We, we understand that, that, uh, that the gospel is the only thing, the truth of, of, of what Jesus has done, uh, of, of, of his death, burial, and resurrection. And, and we don't need to be hiding this fact that we are Christians. Now, some of you say, you know what? You don't know the workplace that I live in. You don't know the, you know, last week we said, we want to pray for open doors for the gospel. We want to have those opportunities like, hey, what'd you do this weekend? Well, uh, yesterday I went to church and it really, you know, it really challenged me a little bit on the way that I, I just really needed to be a, you know, a better employee and, and to, to, to see my job in a way that could honor the Lord. You know, it was a really good good weekend or, or, you know, whatever those things are. I had my D group today. Says, How are you doing? Well, I just got out of my D group. It was a great time this morning. How about you? Right? Opportunities to talk about Jesus and spiritual conversations to be there. You know, there was a season at Lowe's where they said, hey, you're not allowed to proselytize. I said, I'm going to have to look that up, see what that is. When I... yeah. But, you know, I was reminded, you know, when Peter and John, they, they shut them up and they, you know, they had seen the, the man that was lame that was at the temple gate and he was begging, and they said, hey, you know what? Silver and gold I don't have. But he said, what I have I give you in the name of Jesus. Rise up and walk. And all of a sudden, this man who was lame uh, was bouncing around in their midst, and he was leaping and praising God. And people, were, they were testifying uh, of the gospel. They were sharing those things. And the people that were around, the spiritual people of that day, they said, hey, we don't want you uh, talking. What are we going to do? So they arrested him. They locked him up, and they threatened him. Right? And, and, and Peter and John, they respond in this way. They say, whether it be right to hearken unto you rather than God, you be the judge. But he said, we can't help but speak those things that we have seen and heard. And we, as followers of Jesus Christ, we pray for open doors and we look for those open doors. We, we make our faith be known. We make our work honoring to Christ. We work different from the rest of this world. We go to bed tired, right? That's what God, God would desire that us men in this room, that we would lead that way, that we would go to bed tired from working and from serving our families and from living for the glory of God, right? We are created to do those things, right? And we, we should live in that kind of way. We need to make our love known to people, you know, when I, when I was at first in the, in the receiving area and when I was navigating some of that, these truck drivers would come in and they'd have a bad attitude. And it, just, it would be very easy for us to respond with a negative attitude. But then I read and I began to understand that Jesus said a new commandment that I give you, that you might love one another as I have loved you. And we don't have an option. Listen, we're to love those. We're to, to be good to our enemies. We're to love those that despitefully use us. We're to love in a way. And we need to let that love be seen. In bosses, we can do that by serving people. We serve one another. We need to make time to learn to share. If you don't know how to share your testimony, if you're not comfortable with those things, we need to understand how to share the gospel. Some of our uh, athletes were talking to me this week and shared of an opportunity that they had where they were able to share the gospel with a new athlete that was joining their team and, and they heard and was able to testify of God's grace. We need to always be ready 
to share the hope, the reason for the hope that's within us. And we, we must make it a prayer, a priority for prayer all day, every day. Pray without ceasing to have this heart that we might follow Christ. See, God has given us a platform. He has given us a place to use our gifts and our talents for his glory, work, sports, wherever those things are. But I want to remind you that Jesus is the only one worthy of our worship. Many people all around us, and maybe some of you even in this room, we're giving ourselves to things that are not worthy uh, of our worship. We are worshiping jobs and, and sports and people, and we are living in those kind of ways. People may have been our God, but Jesus alone is worthy of our worship. The King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator and one who is over all things, stepped out from the glory of heaven. He took on flesh and lived among us. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 verse 9 would give us this example. He said, you know, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. What a savior that we have. He lived a sinless life, the life that we couldn't live, died the death that we deserved. And on the third day, he rose from the grave and he is alive and well. And we can give our our lives to so many things. And this world is crying out, find your identity in these things. Find your identity and your purpose in all of these things. But I want you to know that Jesus is the only one that we are to surrender our lives to. And he is worthy of our surrender. He is worthy of our worship. We surrender to him. We turn from our sin. We trust in him and we live our lives, letting him live his life, right? When we trust Jesus as Lord and Savior, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the life that we live is not not us living for Jesus, but Jesus living his life in and through us. Jesus changes everything. We live, and, and if you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, if you've never responded to the good news of the gospel, we encourage you to look to the cross this morning and to recognize that what Jesus did on that cross, that it counted for you. And if you're willing to turn from your sin and to trust in Jesus Christ, that, that you can be born again into the family of God, that he will uh, take uh, the brokenness and restore and restore a relationship with God where our identity is no longer in the fleeting things of this world, but where identity is in him. And for all of us as followers of Jesus Christ, we continue to live in that posture where we recognize the reality is like, I have failed that this week. I could have been a better supervisor and a better boss and a better husband and a better dad. And we come into church and we're, and we, and we know all those things, right? We're reminded of all those things. And we come into church and we don't say, you know, we don't come into church and encounter a God who is beating us up for those things, but who desires that we might rest and know that it's not our work uh, that has caused us to be right with God, that it is his work and we can rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ and we can come before the throne of heaven and say, God, I know I've blown it this last week, but God, I want you to help me to abide in you, to get up early in the morning and to have my devotion before I have my digital fix and to, and, and to lean into the word of God, dependent on you, to abide in you and out of the overflow of that abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, that you might help me to be the man that you've called me to be and the woman that you've called me to be. And Lord, that you might empower me with the spirit that lives within me and you might transform me into who you would like me to be. And we're not going to be perfect, but this week we're going to be a little better and we're going to follow Jesus a little stronger and we're going to be more intentional in our walk and we're going to live for the glory of his name because he is worthy of our worship and our work is worship. Our school is worship. The way we live at home is worship. And when everything is worship, everything changes and we 
find joy and we find satisfaction and we find a life that is pleasing to God and we find joy in every moment. And I want to invite you into that this morning. If you've never trusted Jesus, it's my desire that as we worship, that you might surrender your life to him for the very first time. That you say, you know what? I'm no longer chasing all of these other things, but I come in surrender and repentance to you. God, change me from the inside out and live through me for the, and allow me to live for the glory of your name. And if you're here and you're a boss or you're an employee and you, you recognize, hey, that you've missed it, you can come and you can approach his throne and just ask him for help in this time. And he is faithful. Will you pray with me? And we're going to worship our great God together. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your, for your word. God, we thank you that, God, we see this beautiful example. God, in Christ, and though he was rich, he became poor so that through his poverty and through the work of the cross, that if we would believe and trust in him, that we would be rich. God, we thank you that you've caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible, undefiled, kept in heaven, God, waiting for us, Lord. And we pray, God, that we, in response to your mercy and in response to your grace, God, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy. God, that we would live, that we would turn from sin, that we would recognize, Lord, that you are worthy, God, of us turning from the things of this world and walking with you. God, we pray, Lord, that we would present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And God, we know that that is just our reasonable response to all you've done. So God, we thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. And we pray that you would help us, God, and that you would change us from the inside out. God, we love you. We praise you. And we ask for you to be in the midst of these moments. In Jesus' name, amen.